Welcome to the Outside of Sunday podcast. This week we're talking about the trial facing the Church of New Zealand. The Christmas season is upon us. I put up my tree last weekend and I'm not even sorry about it. It's it's so nice to have something to look forward to and something to celebrate. And last night even, I got to have a little Thanksgiving dinner with some of the amazing young people that are in our church. And so that was that was really neat. It's fun. We're coming into summer. We're coming into like that celebratory time of the year. So it's it's good. And even though we don't celebrate Thanksgiving here in New Zealand, last night was great. It's always good to be thankful. And especially when we're going through hard times, This has personally been the hardest year of my life, (laughs) which if you've been following along with the podcast, you'll know all about that. But um, I still have so much to be thankful for. So it's it's good to be thankful. So if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, not only will you know all about my junk, (laughs) but you'll also know by now that I have a passion to encourage Christians to live their faith outside of Sunday, uh, outside of that full song worship set and a 30-minute sermon. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all. I love going to church, but if if that's the extent of the pursuit of our relationship with Jesus, if the only time we worship is in church or the only time we read our Bible is in church and the only time we listen to a sermon is in church, we aren't really building our faith. We're Uh, living it out as spectators rather than as participants. And for the Church of New Zealand, we're about to go through a bit of a trial. There is a new season coming for the Church of New Zealand. And I think it's, it's more important now than ever before that we build our faith outside of Sunday. Um, So yeah, if you're a Kiwi, Um, You will already be aware that this Sunday is the last time that any church with more than 100 members will be able to meet without some kind of separation or segregation of the congregation. Well, for the foreseeable future anyway, things keep changing all the time, but I think this is going to be the new normal for a long time, at least, maybe at least a year, I'm not sure. So the new traffic light system, uh, that COVID alert system, so we used to have levels one, two, three, four, now we have traffic light, uh, red, orange, and green. Green being the go, red being the no. Um, (laughs) That will start from the 3rd of December. And so for the church, at the lowest alert level, it's only groups of 100 that will be allowed to meet at places of worship. And if the alert level moves up to orange churches will be capped at 50 attendees and if it changes to red that number goes all the way down to 25 and actually up until yesterday it was going to be 10 at red but they decided to change it to 25 which that's a lot better because we've got seven people already living in this household so we could only have three others so 25 is good I get more people if we're having church here um but yeah so the the government announced all of this is is happening very soon so church is going to be looking differently and we don't know yet what alert level we will be at when this new system comes into play on the third but whatever it is church is going to look different but it's only really going to look different for for the churches who choose not to require proof of vaccination so like a vaccine passport or some kind of other proof of vaccination if a church decides to require proof of vaccination 
So that means only vaccinated people attending that church. Then there's, at the green level anyway, there's no limit to the number of people at the, that place of worship. So whether it's our church or a Catholic church or any other place of worship. Um, but our church has decided not to go down that route. So we are not going to be having a required proof of vaccination to attend. So we will be capped at 100 church attendees in green, 50 in orange and 25 in red. So the elders of our church have decided that for the next six weeks at least, we are going to be doing church online, but together. So we're being encouraged to meet with other people in our church in our homes and have church together there. And yeah, so that, that's what the church that I belong to has decided to do uh, for now. But every church in New Zealand will have their own decision to make on how they will handle these new mandates. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how all the different denominations, um, uh, different types of churches, what they're going to do, how they're going to handle uh, this new change. So, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer, a bit of a shame for the Church of New Zealand. But I don't want to bring you a word of doom and of gloom. I want us to look up to see the possibility. And in that, you know, that Thanksgiving spirit, let's see these challenges that we are facing and choose to be thankful through it all. Today, I want to just encourage you. And it's always our encouragement. Even though I'm trying to encourage you, the encouragement doesn't come from me. It always it just should come from the word of God. And so I'm going to read a passage of scripture for us now, and we're going to look a little bit deeper and to see what the word has for us today so that we can be encouraged and not despair with all of these changes and things that are going on in our world and that's affecting the church. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17 if you're reading along, but I'm going to read it for you now, as always. Uh, let's start in verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. That's our passage today. It's short, but there's a lot in there. Let me give you a little bit of background first on this passage. So at the time of writing this, Paul had a somewhat strained relationship with the church of Corinth. Basically, they were trying to kick him out. They were pretty much rejecting Paul as their leader. Uh, there was these certain fancy apostles going around and Paul, he nicknamed them the super super apostles so these guys were more wealthy than Paul they spoke better they spoke very well unlike Paul who wasn't the best public speaker and overall they were just more appealing men to the Corinthians than Paul was at this time so in the in the letter here he is trying to restore the relationship with this church that he he started so there's a whole bunch of good stuff in this letter but one of the overall things that Paul's intention is with this letter is to try and restore this relationship with that church. 
And early in the letter, he talks about writing to them with great distress and anguish and with many tears. So he's been having a pretty hard time about it. I know I would if the people who, you know, because this wasn't just any church. This was a church that he himself started and now they're rejecting him. Um, So he's having a really hard time about it. And also in the letter, not only is he having a hard time with these guys, but he's also been suffering for the sake of the gospel, almost to the point of death. And so it's in the midst of all of his sufferings that he writes this letter to the Corinthians. And there's so much in this letter. We could just spend this whole time reading the whole thing and that would benefit us so much, but it would take too long and we wouldn't be able to examine what we are reading. So we're just going to focus on this one section and see what we can learn from it. All right, let's go. So how does this passage start? It starts with thanks, right? In verse 14, Paul says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Even though Paul is suffering emotionally over the trouble with the church in Corinth and and suffering physically for the sake of the gospel, he gives thanks to God. A little lesson for us there. (laughs) Give thanks, whatever you're going through. Uh, But what specifically is he actually thanking God for? Four. And it says it there in the verse that God always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Okay, what is a triumphal procession? What does that mean? Great question, listener. Well, in Rome, whenever a conqueror won a great battle or triumphed over a city, he would return to Rome and have a sort of parade, this triumphal procession. It was called a triumph. And there would be chariots, soldiers marching, uh, and also the captives from whatever place they had just claimed, they would be in chains as prisoners for Rome. And this was a big celebration. The conqueror would go first, then the soldiers, and then would come the captive prisoners in chains. So there was a lot going on. Musicians, singers, uh, sacrifices to the gods happening. And while all this was going on, there was also incense burning so you could smell it throughout the city and know that this general this specific guy has triumphed here and it's being celebrated on that day what a picture Paul is painting for us here because who are we in this procession we aren't the conqueror we aren't the musicians or the soldiers we are the captives Willing captives, mind you. (laughs) You and I have so little to do with Christ's victory. And yet, what a privilege it is to be part of Christ's triumphal procession. Christ is the victor and we are the spoils of war. A war that wasn't won through battle and through destruction, but through love and sacrifice. And we are his captives. The Bible tells us that Jesus has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. We didn't do that. Jesus did. All we did was become those willing captors. Pretty cool. Now in the next part of verse 14, Paul says that God, he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him, him being Christ, everywhere. You'd think he would use the soldiers or the musicians in the parade to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Christ everywhere, or even use Christ himself, but instead he uses us, the captives, 
the ones attached to Christ's triumphal processions who have done nothing, really nothing to deserve that. But what an honor, the lowly people that we are in comparison to Christ. How is it that we are worthy? Not by our own merit. I mean, we have no merit, none other than being those being willing to be a captive for Christ, to chain ourselves to Christ, submitting to Christ's lordship. See, it doesn't matter if we are going through a trial or suffering like Paul. We have something to be thankful for, that by being attached to Christ, we are attached to his victory. And not only do we get to have that privilege, but we also get to be a useful part in that victory parade for Christ, spreading the aroma of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. In verse 15, Paul says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Just think about that for a minute. The knowledge of Christ being spread among those who are being saved and those who are perishing is pleasing to God. I find it interesting that the aroma is pleasing to God, whether it is rejected or accepted. It's the action that is pleasing to God, unconditional to the response. But then in verse 16, we see that the aroma isn't pleasing to everyone. Paul says, to one, we are an aroma that brings death, to the other, an aroma that brings life and who is equal to such a task. Why would the aroma of the knowledge of Christ be an aroma that brings death to one and life to another? Because one person will hear the gospel, and they'll find it offensive. You know, the Bible tells us that the knowledge of sin brings condemnation, and the wages of sin is death. So to the person who chooses to reject the gospel, the gospel is an aroma that brings death. They reject the gospel and choose death. But to the one who hears the gospel and finds it appealing, they then choose to become one of those willing captives to Christ. The gift of God is eternal life, and so for them, the gospel is an aroma that brings life. They accept the gospel and choose life. And remember, we are the ones who spread that aroma of Christ. And again, whether Christ is accepted or rejected, God is pleased when we share the gospel of Christ. At the end of verse 16, Paul asks the question, and who is equal to such a task? How could we be worthy of doing such an important thing as sharing the gospel with somebody, especially when we are so lowly compared to Christ? Now, if you've ever thought I'm not qualified to share the gospel with someone, this is for you, because Paul gives us the answer in verse 17. He says, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. What makes us equal to the task of sharing the gospel? That we are in Christ, that we are sincere. If you are in Christ and if you are sincere, that's your qualification. The Church of New Zealand is about to go through a trial, a new season. And whatever hardship this might bring us, we are not even close to be able to compare our sufferings to the likes of Paul or even to the modern day church of, say, Iran or the modern day church of China. Paul endured through it all, continuing to give thanks to God. 
and in this particular passage giving thanks that he could even be considered to be a captive in in Christ's triumph and used to share the gospel among the people. I am so thankful for the gospel, for me personally, and for what it can do for somebody else. Something else we can thank God for is that for over 200 years, the gospel has been proclaimed in our nation. No government force change to the way that we gather can stop the gospel. The only people who can stop the pleasing aroma of the knowledge of Christ being spread, that's the gospel, the only ones who can stop it is us, is we Christians, if we choose to keep the gospel to ourselves, if we choose to remove ourselves from that victory procession, no longer submitting to Christ's lordship, but rather to our own, that's how the gospel stops in our nation. As I was prepping this podcast, I was looking into that first Christian message that was ever preached in New Zealand. It was Christmas Day and it was in 1814. And that was the day that Samuel Marsden preached the gospel to the people of New Zealand for the first time ever. Now, Samuel Marsden, he was no perfect man by any means, but he was instrumental in the gospel being brought to New Zealand. He preached his sermon Christmas Day out of Luke 2 when the angel visits Mary and he tells her, Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Now, Samuel wrote in his journal a summary of this day, the first time a Christian message was shared in our nation. And you can actually read that journal entry in full online if you are interested. But as I was reading it, this one sentence caught my eye. He writes, In this manner, the gospel has been introduced into New Zealand. And I fervently pray that the glory of it may never depart from its inhabitants till time shall be no more. That's my prayer too, that the glory of the gospel will never depart from New Zealand. Now, even though Samuel Marsden, he had an excellent interpreter with him, uh, that was the chief uh, Ruatara, the people didn't understand that phrase, behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. It was so foreign to them. I mean, the gospel was so foreign to them. It was foreign to the people then. And it's foreign to so many people in our nation now, today. Today, so many in this world are living in fear. They need glad tidings of great joy. They need the gospel. I've often heard in church prayer meetings throughout my Christian life a prayer that goes something like this. Thank you, God, that I'm living in this country where I can worship you freely. We can meet without fear of persecution and where we are free to share your gospel. This is still true today. I mean, it, it might not be true in five years or maybe maybe even next year, who knows, but today it is still true. I don't want to look back on this time and see that I wasted it. I don't want to waste these freedoms that we still have in this nation today. In another one of Paul's letters, he talks uh, in Ephesians 5.16, about making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil, guys. Yes, the government is against us. Yes, the people of the world are against us. This should not be a surprise to any one of us. Of course they are. All of hell is against us. But God is for us. So we are not yet at that point 
where there is open persecution for the gospel. We can and we should thank God for that. And the best way that we can thank God for that is by making the most of the freedoms that we do currently have and spread the gospel of Christ wherever we go. Let's send that pleasing aroma straight up to heaven and bless our Father God. Personally, I'm excited for this new season. I'm a natural optimist and change is very exciting for me. Um, But if you're not one of those people, you're not naturally optimistic and change is not exciting for you at all. I just want to encourage you, ask God to help you see this as a chance to do something new, to get out of the Sunday routine, to try something different, to grow, to use these smaller gatherings to reach out into our communities. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the suffering that he has been going through, and he says this, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. God has allowed this trial to come to the Church of New Zealand. And maybe that's so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. That we might not rely on a building, on doing things the way we always have, but rely on God to guide the church in this next season. And that's going to take greater commitment from all of us. As our um, church pastor said last Sunday, the season for watching church online in your PJs is over. Amen to that. It's time for us to gather together on a Sunday, pray for each other, share with each other, serve each other, build each other up with greater fellowship than we ever have before, and together spread the gospel of Christ throughout our communities. I've already got plans. (laughs) I'm already scheming things. Um, My plan is to put together these little Christmas gift bags for my neighbors with the gospel message inside. I did that at Easter. They're getting it again at Christmas time. I'm their neighbor. They can't escape me. Um, (laughs) So um, as well as that, I'm hopefully going to be doing some letterbox dropping. Like I'm going to get some candy candy canes. I'm going to get some candy canes and attach a little gospel tract and hopefully just pop them in letterboxes up and down our street. I'll do that with the kids and it will be lots of fun. Easy as. I mean, all you need, candy canes, print out a gospel tract, or if you have some, I mean, I'm the gospel tract lady, so I have a, a drawer full of them so I can just attach them. But it's it's easy as to just find um, a good gospel tract online that's a free printable. You print it, you attach it to a candy cane, you pop it in a letterbox, done there's the gospel in the letterbox and um and then yeah just praying as you go that it will be received um yeah and and if we happen to be hosting church at our house one week i'm gonna have those candy canes out and all of these helpers and we're gonna be good to go up and down we go and my house is on a massive hill so it'll be a workout as well so plus plus all right i've gone off track (laughs) where am i i've totally lost my notes uh okay enough waffling I'm going to end this podcast today by reading out a New Zealand Christmas carol. Now, I could sing it for you all, but I don't think I could handle how corny that would be. And I'm not sure you could either. So I will spare you all that. um, And I'll just read it out. So this Christmas carol. So this is my favorite New Zealand Christmas carol. It was written in 1957 and was based on that first Christmas message in New Zealand all those years ago. All right, here we go. Not on a snowy night, by star or candlelight, nor by an angel band, 
they came to our dear land. Te Haranui, Te Haranui, Te Haranui. Glad tidings of great joy. But on a summer day, within a quiet bay, the Māori people heard the great and glorious word, Te Haranui, Te Haranui, Te Haranui. Glad tidings of great joy. The people gathered round upon the grassy ground and heard the preacher say, I bring to you this day, Te Haranui, Te Haranui, Te Haranui, glad tidings of great joy. Now in this blessed land, united heart and hand, we praise the glorious birth and sing to all the earth. Te Haranui, Te Haranui, Te Haranui, glad tidings of great joy. There we go. I felt like I was almost singing there at one point. Um, Bless you all. Have a Merry Christmas. Be encouraged. And I will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you really like the podcast, maybe even tell someone about it.